friends, this morning, uh, we're, gonna be, we're gonna be beginning a brand new three-week series uh, on the topic of hearing God, hearing God and hearing God's voice. It's a big topic, uh, and it's something that has interested me for quite a while, actually. Uh, and it's something that, thank you so much, Rob, that I'm actually personally uh, very much still growing in and learning from. So this is going to be sort of a combined uh, journey of discovery in this series. Uh, it might be a little bit more of a teach than a preach this morning. Is that okay? Is that fine? Okay, is it okay if we do some teaching every now and then in church? I'll be the preacher next week. Um, but this might be a little bit more of a teaching uh, a kind of a morning. Um, and the idea for this series actually was, was, was quite ironic in how it came about. Last week, I'd had five conversations, five messages from five separate people, all saying the exact same thing. <laughs> they were all pointing in the same direction. And this was while I was wondering uh, which of the two options uh, we should do today as we, as we begin the series. And two weeks before that, we were in a side pastor's uh, uh, planning meeting with all the Father's House pastors, and we were discussing what series to do. And I thought, well, maybe we should do one on hearing God's voice. And then last week, literally five people, five separate people all said the exact same thing. Ironic how the topic is about hearing God. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe the better question was, how well was I listening? Um, because God clearly seemed to be speaking to us about what he wants us to, to, to dive in together as a church in this season. And I suppose this, this, this topic of, of, of hearing God and hearing God's voice never really gets old. In, you know, in the sense that we, we always seem to sit with this question at some stage or another, how do I know if it's God's voice speaking to me or if it's my own? We always seem to sit with this tension. You know, we might even ask ourselves, what, what, if, what if it's the devil speaking, you know? How do I differentiate between God's voice, my voice, the devil's voice, all these different voices? And so we're going to have a look at some of those questions over the next, over the next three weeks. Uh, and having just finished the uh, Eden series, which I thought was an exceptional conversation, an, an exceptional series on how we can take ownership of our lives, I thought it makes sense to kind of lean into the method uh, that God might, wanting, might, might be wanting us to follow as we fulfill this call that we have as, as Christ followers to take ownership of our lives. And throughout the series, I want to look at firstly, debunking some myths about hearing God's voice. We're going we're gonna to settle some confusion. We're going to debunk some myths because there's a lot of misty thinking around this particular topic in the church that I think needs some clarifying. It's become such a mysterious and, and, and confusing thing when, when actually it's not. It should be a normal part of our Christian experience. And we're going to look at some scriptures just now on why, on why that is. So we're going to, we're going to look at, 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 at debunking some of those myths. Secondly, we're going to look at some of the unlikely situations or seasons that we go through and experience and how that can sometimes be God's voice. Sometimes God can lead you through a storm. But when you're in the storm, you can't seem to hear his voice, right? Because you're in the storm. And, and we, we're going we're to look at how we can almost be on this different frequency to what the broadcast location is sending, heaven is sending to us. How we can sometimes miss the frequency and miss the message that God has in store for us in those seasons. And then finally, uh, Jess will, will share on, on week three in terms of some spiritual and, and practical steps that we can take in our journey to, to, to grow in this area. So I guess our hope over the next few weeks is that you'll have a better understanding of what it means to hear God's voice in your life. That's the goal. That's where we're going to go. My hope is that you will have a better understanding of what it means to hear God's voice. And then we'll discover, you know, that it's not such a crazy thing after all. It's not 
as hard as perhaps the Christian world has made it out to be. And we're going to learn how to, how to step into the zone of being able to hear and discern God's voice clearly for our lives, for our church, for our families. Are you guys with me? Or is this sound like we on the same track? Okay, cool. Maybe also you might even find that you begin to silence some voices that don't bring about God's best for your life. Maybe that's also a knock-on effect of this of the series. And if, if you're new to church or new to Christian faith, our hope is that together we'll realize, hey, Maybe God has been talking to me about some things in my life. Maybe, maybe he's not actually as far away or distant as what I might have thought. Maybe he's way more concerned about an intimate relationship with me than what I had realized. And in a way, you'd begin to say yes to, to his leadership. Uh, because, you know, as we'll discover, there can be no substitute for the leading of God's voice in our lives. Amen. There can be no substitute for the voice of God leading us. And I suppose this is why this is such an important and, and timely conversation, why we felt like we should speak into this this morning. We are living in a world right now where there are many voices trying to shape us and mold us into who we are as people, right? Just spend five minutes on social media. Chaos, many voices, all equally as angry. Don't understand why they're so angry. There, there, are, there are so many sources of advice, I guess, that are, that are trying to govern us and direct us and lead us and, and push us forward into a certain direction, conforming to some kind of ideology or way of thinking, way of living. And it's just the nature of the fallen world that we live in, I guess. And I suppose it's our nature as fallen people that we will be influenced by something. It's our nature. We, we, we will be drawn into, we will want to conform to and worship something. It's how we've been created. That's, that's just what we, what we do as people. And we, we'll all tend towards this thing that we think is going to you know, bring us hope, answer some of the questions that we have about life. And there's many things out there that are competing to try and do that now. But here's the, here's the problem with that whole um, process and system. And Pastor George mentioned this during the Eden series. We are all broken people, <laughs> right? We are all broken people. We all have some kind of deficiency in our character. We all, we all miss the mark when it comes to living out this, this, this perfect and, and sinless life that God has called us to. This is why we need the Savior. None of us has it all figured out, right? When it comes to, 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 to living this, you know, in our, in our, with our own human ability, in our own human ability, this thing of, of, of completeness. We're incomplete as people. And so we have incomplete people trying to lead other incomplete people and it never really works out, does it? You see, that's because we cannot manufacture peace in our own strength. We can't manufacture true joy, a sense of purpose and calling with our own human hands or decision-making. It has to come from God. There can be no substitute for what God wants to speak over our lives. And newly married couples or engaged couples, sorry to break it to you, but even your spouse cannot completely fulfill the deep needs that your soul has. That just is what it is. There, is, there are some things that only Jesus Christ himself can fulfill. That's, that's the nature of, of, our, of our relationship with him. And we could spend our entire lives searching for this meaning, searching for peace, searching for belonging. And we'll try and substitute the voice of God in our lives for other voices, thinking that it will provide us, but actually it can't. There is no substitute in your life for the voice of God. 
there's some things that only the Holy Spirit can speak to you. Only God's voice can bring out who you truly are. And it's only through the word of his gospel that you can find true fulfillment and true satisfaction for your soul. One word from our Father calling you by your real name will set you free from a lifetime of searching. One moment in his presence where you see him for who he truly is and find yourself at his feet, one moment will replenish an entire lifetime of a dry and thirsty soul. One encounter with, with, with the living word, Jesus Christ, hearing him speak over you will satisfy that deep longing of your heart. And that's what this series is going to be about. How do we access that? See, it's a different voice to what the world is speaking right now. It's from a different source. It's for a different purpose. And it's only by leaning into Jesus that we experience this true peace, this true fulfillment that, we, that we're talking about. And so we need the Holy Spirit, right, to release and activate our ability to hear God's voice in our lives. And like, like Pastor George said again last week during Eden, the world can reward you for what you have already done, but only God can call out who you will become. See, that's why it's important. That's why it's important. The world will say, well done on achieving this success or, you know, here's some reward for effort. But only God can say, Simon, the reed, you are Peter, the rock. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Only God can call out who you will become. So it becomes really, really important that we understand and develop this appreciation for hearing God's voice in our lives. And I suppose, you know, when it comes to hearing God's voice, we also need to say that it's not about a three-step formula for success, you know. It's not one of those programs where it's like, here's a three-layered principle and you apply and, you know, suddenly just like that, it'll suddenly happen. Two reasons why I say that. The first one is, if I said to you, here's how God speaks to people based on how he's spoken to me, what I've done is that I've superimposed my truth as your truth. That's what, that's what I would have done in that moment. So like, this is how God speaks to people. And you go, well, I haven't heard him like that. He hasn't spoken to me like that. Is there something wrong with me? You know, am I not a good enough Christian? Whatever that's supposed to mean. Um, or you might think that someone else has better or closer access to God than you do. You know, the proverbial direct line of communication with the big man upstairs. And we stop using that language. There's no direct line. There's no one Christian that's favored over the other. So that's why I, I don't want to say, you know, this is how God communicates to people because that'll, you know, that, that, that'll superimpose my experience as your truth. And that, that, that shouldn't be. Let's, let's, let's think of it this way. Um, suppose we held a marriage course at Father's House Church, which I do want to do sometime in Jobe. Um, my wife and I do the pre-marriage course, but I want to attend and then run a post-marriage course, you know, how to now deal with the spouse that you were preparing for. You know, yeah, what now? Um, but it's a joke, okay? I definitely need to attend one, clearly. But suppose you're in a marriage course and I said to you, um, this is how communication works in a marriage between a husband and a wife. This is how it works, right? And then listed three or four descriptions. You might go, gosh, well, that's not how my wife and I communicate. That's not how my husband and I communicate. Is, I've never heard of those points before. Is there something wrong with me? I mean, I don't fit that description. But if I got up there and said, after nine years of marriage, here's how my wife and I have grown in our communication styles as we've let the word of God shape us and mold us 
into better and better versions of what a godly husband and a godly wife looks like. See, now we're getting somewhere. Now we can both look at the Scriptures and go, that's the truth. Now both of us are looking at the truth and growing in our experience of and application of what we find in the Word of God. You understand what I'm saying there? That's why it's super important. So instead of me saying, here's how God speaks to people, I'd rather say, here are some personal examples of how I have experienced His leadership in my life. And perhaps it makes hearing God's voice seem easier and, and simpler for when you, when you realize how practical it can actually be. You guys with me on that? Secondly, if I said, you know, here's three steps, what I would also do is limit God to those three steps. <laughs> and that's a very dangerous thing. The minute that you start limiting God, you're in trouble. Because what I'm saying is, according to my peanut-sized brain, this is how God talks to people. No, He is Almighty God. He is not limited by just my understanding of how He works. Can you say amen to that this morning? All right. So rather what we say is, here's some guidelines in Scripture. Here's how we grow. Here's how we develop and mature in our relationship with God. And sure, there's obviously some very practical things that we can do. I mean, it's no point walking around, you know, spending four hours on social media in a day and then going, God, where are you? You see what I mean? There's some very practical things that we should be doing that, 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 that definitely help us to get into that zone. But this is the area of our, of our relationship that should be a natural consequence of spending time with Him, seeking after Him, meditating on His Word. And so that's, that's what we're going to do with this, with this topic. And I guess what I want to start with is by laying some of the groundwork and, and, and looking at the, at the life of the, of the disciple John, one of Jesus' disciples and, and probably his closest friend. You know, he was last at the cross, first at the tomb. Jesus said to him, look after my mom, right? There's a very personal relationship there. And that's what we're going to discover. Through, through looking at the life of John, we're going to look at the all-important links between an intimate relationship with God and our communication with him. And how that is so vitally important to hearing his voice. Because that is what it is at the end of the day. And just like any other relationship, it's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. And so we're going to look at how John's gospel gives us brilliant insights into how our relationship with God directly impacts our conversation with God. Amen? Are you with me this morning? So let's dive in. And firstly, let's, let's have a look at some scriptures as we begin to debunk some of the myths that have surrounded this topic of how to hear God's voice in your life. And let's, let's, let's lay some, some foundation. Let's lay some groundwork. Firstly, we're going to have a look at three myths that, that we need to settle, address, debunk as we begin this process. The first one, the first myth, it's a big one, but here it is. It sounds harsh, but stay with me. God does not have a communication problem. We have a hearing problem. <laughs> Myth number one, God does not have a communication problem. We have a hearing problem. This is so fundamental to recognize as we begin growing in the area of hearing God in our lives. You know, God is not sitting on a couch, sitting on some galaxy somewhere with a mouth full of teeth, withdrawing himself from the conversation. That's not him. We, however, as fallible and flawed human beings have a hard time listening and hearing his voice from, for, because of various reasons. For example, we sometimes approach God or, or approach hearing God rather with our agenda instead of focusing on his preferences. Isn't that true? What do I mean by that? If you had to meet a celebrity, for example, it was a brandy festival this past weekend. 
Should we use one of them as an example of a celebrity or is that dangerous? Um, let's imagine that we, that we got to meet uh, who? Bork van Blerk. Okay, we'll work with Bork. Bork, let's go, Bork. Suppose you got to meet Bork, right? You wouldn't be the one going to him if you had this opportunity, you know, well, I've got such and such a time open on this date. Uh, I'd prefer it if you sent me a WhatsApp with these three emojis. And can you please make sure that there's a cup of coffee ready for me? No, you're like, tell me where, I don't care what time, and I'll be there, right? So how can we view talking with God like we're the celebrity in the relationship? Why do we often approach hearing his voice with our agendas instead of focusing on his preferences? <laughs> God does not have a communication problem. We sometimes struggle with recognizing his voice because we've got all this stuff in our ears that's blocking him out, like the filter of our own agenda. Have a look at Psalm 19, verses 1 to 2. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. <laughs> there it is. He is speaking. Creation itself literally is speaking about God's glory. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. How beautiful is this? Night after night, they make Him known. Literally in creation itself, Creation itself speaks about who God is. You know, that's not the audible voice of God when you're standing on, you know, at supers overlooking the ocean, but you sense Him in creation. That's why you've had, you know, after you've had a busy day or week or month or life, you know, sometimes one week with an active toddler feels like a lifetime. You'll go to the beach and you'll stare at the ocean. And you'll go, I see you, Lord. I feel you. Thank you. I'm sorry, that creation itself is speaking about the glory of God. Genesis 1-2, and God said, let the, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. He's in everything. Creation itself testifies to the works and presence of God. And you, know, you realize in those moments that the infinite God still speaks to us, the finite people. I love it. It's a very humbling experience to know that God is speaking. He does not have a communication problem. Let's have a look at one more passage of Scripture on this point, Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, would you do me a, the cheesy favor of repeating the next two words after me? God spoke. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, can you say has spoken? Has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the worlds. Now, these verses state that God clearly is communicating. God spoke and He is speaking. He has spoken by His Son. So I think, you know, when it comes to debunking this myth, it's really important to recognize that the supposed problem is not with God's ability to communicate. It's our, it's our inability to receive. You know, Scripture makes it very clear that His will is known. That's, a, that's another massive thing that we need to overcome. God has revealed himself to us in Scripture. You can know God's will for your life. I wish someone had told me that earlier. I wish someone had, had separated this curtain that kept me from seeing the truth that God is not playing hide and seek with us. It's not like he's some distant, you know, angry force in the universe that's trying to hide himself. No, he has completely revealed himself and his will to us. We look at the cross. Is there not a more clear picture of God's will for mankind, right? 
And in fact, on the point of God's will, there's at least 20 verses in Scripture that point directly to what it is. If you widen that definition, you'll probably get a lot more. But God has already spoken to us and He has already revealed His will. So our role as followers of Jesus is to grow in our ability to hear His voice clearer. Can I, can I give you a personal example as, a, as an analogy to make this easier? Um, as you know, my wife and I uh, have a son who's just turned 16 months, in fact, uh, yesterday, uh, Benjamin. Uh, Benjamin reminds us of God's faithfulness every single day. Uh, but he also reminds us of God's patience and grace and long-suffering. Uh, what's the definition of long-suffering? Suffering long. <laughs> Um, and some of you, some of the dream team and some of our friends would, would, would know how we've battled uh, in particular with his sleep and uh, screaming habits over the last year and a bit, you know. It's almost like he's viewed night times as his opportunity to practice for when the Springboks in the Rugby World Cup final. Literally, go! Ah! Like he's like practicing being in the stands. Um, but, you know, in the same breath, we've been totally humbled at this, at this privilege of, of, of raising this child and, you know, seeing his personality develop and grow. And, and Benji does seem to have a thing for words, actually. He's been talking up a storm for the last couple of months now. And it's been so cute listening to him trying to repeat the words that his mom and dad are saying around the house. Um, and we've actually got to be careful that we're saved at church and at home, too. You know, you've got to be saved at home not only in church. Um, that was just for free. So we've taken the opportunity, um, seeing as though he's, he's grabbing onto these words, to teach him some new ones, you know? Teaching him some new words, watching him learn to try and repeat them. You know, so we, so we, say, so we say things like, you know, medical aid. <laughs> rent. Say rent. Board and lodging, Benji. Board and lodging. And then he, go, he just looks at us and he tries to say something like, oh, you see, he wants to pay it from when he's three years old. No, this is the thing in that, in that relationship equation. Dad isn't learning to speak toddler. Toddler is learning to speak dad. You get what I'm saying? Although dad is big enough, gracious enough to understand and patient enough to let him grow and mature in this gift, God does not have a communication problem. We are learning to speak dad. This is the beauty of our relationship. And we need to commit, to commit to growing and learning. Father, what was that again? Just, would you, would you mind just saying that word again? How do I repeat that word to my spouse? You said, love your enemies. Just help me, help me, help me do that. Pray for those who persecute you, Matthew 5. Give me, just say that again. Help me learn and grow in my ability to conversate with you. It's part of an ongoing relationship, you see. And I suppose... This may be also on this topic of, of, of God not having a, a, a communication problem. Um, I suppose it also touches on something maybe on the side, like sort of a, sort of a side note. I'm just trying to decide if I should go there or not. Um, okay. Could, okay. Pray for me. Could we, could we just address the, the God told me group of people for a second? Okay. So just deep breath, just, just deep breath. God told me, okay? I call, I call a group of Christians the God told me Christians, okay? Not everyone, but some people. Some people have got that wrong in church, okay? I have the scars to prove it. 
So all I want to do is just, I just want to take a leaf blower quickly and just blow some of the leaves out of the driveway, okay, that have kept us from, from enjoying what is actually a very precious thing in church. But if God told you to tell me something, he will confirm it with me too. God does not have a communication problem, friends. It is not like the only way he can get to me is through you. Do you hear what I'm saying? I hope that's not too offensive, but I feel like it just needs to be clarified because this is where the precious gift of prophecy and words of knowledge and words of wisdom get lost because people have been hurt by this. They've been abused by this, if I can say that word. It's been distorted. You know, people coming from all over say, I've got a word from the Lord for you. You've got to do this and marry this person and quit this thing and stop doing that. Okay, whoa, whoa. I hear your word. Thank you for that. I'm going to go and take it to the, to the Scriptures. I'm going to filter it through the Holy Spirit. And if it is a word from the, from, from the Lord, it will match up. If it's not, I'm going to dismiss it. <sighs> okay. Did that, but did that give someone some confidence? Did that set anyone free? I feel like it set me, me free when I was preparing for this talk. Um, don't, don't, don't hate them, by the way. Don't hate them. They're still growing, maturing, just like we are. But I guarantee you, you will know when it's the Lord's voice when you feel his peace. That's it. That's it. And it, it's, it's, it's quite a sad thing what Christianity and church has made this thing out to be because it hurts people so much. And now we're reluctant to expose ourselves to operating in this gift. <laughs> prophecy is an office of the church. Ephesians chapter 4. It's literally listed. A prophet is listed. It's one of the, one of the offices whose role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry by building up the body of Christ. It's a spiritual gift also, 1 Corinthians 12. <laughs> it's important. It's necessary. I have been the humble beneficiary of the gift of prophecy. Just like Pastor George was, was, was sharing during Eden. Same thing to me. I'm still holding on to prophetic words that people have spoken over me years ago. You know, when I feel like I'm not the right person for the job, you go back to those things and you, and you feel that sense of inspiration. And it's a precious thing. So I just wanted to share that and say, don't avoid or limit the power of God speaking to us because... You had a bad experience from a false prophet. Amen. Okay, Whew. on to the second one. Myth number two. Myth number one, God does not have a communication problem. We have a hearing problem. Myth number two, God's spoken word will never contradict his written word. Kind of goes hand in hand with what you were just saying now, right? Let's have a look at Romans 10, 17. Amazing passage of scripture. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. There it is. What happened to you when you got saved? You heard the message about Christ. It caused faith to form in you. You believed Jesus and you surrendered your life to him. That's what happened. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. You were, you were, you were in the sound of the gospel and you gave your life to him. You saw Jesus on the cross. You saw your sin punished there. His resurrection giving you new life and you said, by faith, I'm yours. That, that's what happened. And it's extremely important to remember that any time you feel God speaking to you about something, that you correlate it back to his word. That's the origin. And I believe it's the primary way that God speaks to us as his children. And everything you hear from God's spoken word will be in perfect harmony with his written word. Every time. Why is that? God is not a man that he should lie. Have a look at Numbers 23, 19. It's so straightforward. God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man, that he should change his mind? Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? 
We know from so many passages of Scripture that God's Word is true. His Word will never return to Him void. It will always confirm His written Word. And this is why I suppose it's super important to be saturating yourself in the Word, to be meditating on Scripture. You know, when you do, you are positioning yourself well to receive it and to, and to confirm a spoken Word from someone or from God with the written Word. And I really do believe this is the primary way that He communicates with us. This is the foundation of our relationship with Him. You see, God makes Himself known in His Word through the Spirit. God makes Himself known. He invites us into communion with Him. This is how we begin to find out what He likes. This is how we begin to find out what His preferences are. It's through the Word that we begin to realize what pleases God and what He doesn't enjoy. And all of these things help us grow and develop in our relationship with Him, which is so foundational. It's, 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 upon, it's upon which all of our conversation happens. I'm going to give you another practical example, you know, because this takes time, this idea of growing. Just like any other relationship, it takes time. We've got to mature and develop and grow. So in my marriage, I'm, I'm, I'm really taking shots for, for you guys today, but I'll sacrifice myself on this one. You know, in my marriage, um, I'll be minding my, my own business, on a Friday afternoon, they're watching TV, fiddling with fishing tackle or whatever. And suddenly, out of nowhere, Kelly starts violently cleaning the house. You know what I mean? It's aggressive. Broom and the sweeping and the washing's been thrown around and, and the silence is deafening, you know? So I'm sitting on the couch and, and you know, I perk up. What's wrong? She replies... Nothing. Now, in my man brain, okay, nothing means nothing, right? But in my marriage man brain, nothing means everything in some contexts. <laughs> or at least it means something. Like when your wife suddenly starts cleaning the house violently and she says nothing, something is wrong. Now you as the husband have to move through this minefield and then you step on the one and it explodes. Oh, okay, there's the landmine. There it is. Okay, that's what it is. All right, I've got there. Now, here's the thing, okay? My wife is not a terrible communicator and I'm not a bad listener. We are just very different people. We're just different people. So it's taken time to get to where we are starting to understand the other person better. And we're very much still growing in this area after nine years of marriage. We are. It's something that we're constantly working on. You see where I'm going with this in our relationship with, with the Lord? We need to spend time with Him to get to know and understand Him better. We can't just visit Him occasionally and expect to receive words from Him. We need to be maturing and growing in our personal relationship with Jesus, just like we are maturing and growing in our personal relationships with our spouses and with our, and with our friends. You know, and there wouldn't be scriptures like Colossians 1, 9 to 12 if it wasn't possible for us to do this. Look at this passage of scripture. This is a prayer, right, that Paul is praying for the church in Colossae. He says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will. That's it. That's a prayer. Why would Paul pray for something that was not possible? It's possible to know God, friends that you may be filled with all the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Put the dishes away once you've finished, Lloyd, says Kelly, because that's what pleases her, right? Lord, what are the things that please you? You understand what I'm saying? Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 
being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. It's such a powerful verse. And we can be confident in our walk with Jesus that we can know him, that he reveals himself to us in his word. And any, writ, any spoken word will be confirmed by the written word of God. You say amen to that this morning, church? I've got one more personal example on this before. Oh, I realized that, um, is that our time? We've got nine minutes left. Okay. We might have to pause on the second part and come back next week. But it's okay. It's, oh, sorry, it's, it's, it's actually 19 minutes, so it's fine. Got plenty of time. <laughs> Check all the visitors are like, where's the exit? Um, but we can be confident, you know, in our walk with God that 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 any time we feel him speaking to us, it will be confirmed in scripture. And, and in my own life, you know, I'll be reading scripture, and I'm sure you, you can you can relate to this too. And you read this verse, maybe a friend sent it to you, or it's on the Bible app or something, and you go, Yo, that's exactly what I, what I needed to hear right now. You know, that's why I believe the primary way of God speaking to us is, is through, his, through His Word, through His voice. But this happened to me, it was many moons ago in financial planning. I was working full-time in a company in PE, um, and I graduated from NMU with, with, the, with this BCom financial planning degree, and I was working for a company that said I had to do my honours, right? Uh, it's part of the contractual relationship. I had to do my honours, which included the board exam and all that. Now, if you knew me in my varsity days, um, you would know that my personal study philosophy was much like that of my peers, who all of us viewed 50% as a pass, 51% as a distinction, and 52% as you're not spending enough time with your friends. So, super lame, I know. But here I was, working full-time, being asked to study uh, honours, and I said to myself, you know what? For the first time in my varsity career, I want to actually put my head down and give this thing a go. I want to apply myself. I want to throw myself into this and just go full send and see what happens. And I said, you know, Lord, if I place this before you, which I want to do, would you please guide me and help me? Um, and, you know, while I was praying, I, I, I had this thought come to mind. You know that like still small voice that you sometimes hear in your mind? It's almost like when you should send someone a message or you feel like you need to give someone a call. You don't know where the thought came from, but it won't leave you no matter how hard you try. That kind of a voice. And it's this, this word was saying that I should ask God to help me cum laude this honors degree. So I'm like, God, 52% to 75. Can we just go to like 60? Like, can we just, you know, that's because that's hectic now for, for, for me. But I try to put it off and no matter how many times I did, I had this sense growing in my heart that this is what I should commit to. So while I was praying, I said, Lord, you know what? Okay, I commit this to you. I trust that by your strength, you would help me to reach this goal. And so off I went, began the studies, praying with a plan, because we have to pray with a plan, right? You can't just pray and then leave it up to God. It's like, Lord, bring to remembrance the textbooks that I learned. What textbooks? And he's like, what textbooks? You have to pray with a plan, right? Um, and after the first semester, I got the first two modules back, and both were above 75. So I was like, okay, I'm on track. But now, this is what happens in our, in our spiritual journeys. The minute we start taking ground, the minute we start growing in an, in, in an area, the enemy will come and try and sow doubts. He'll try and pull you off track, won't he? He'll try and distract you. He'll say, you know what? That was just luck. Beginner's luck. Good luck trying to get that right again. You just got it lucky. It was a very easy exam paper. Aren't you so fortunate? And to be honest, I sat with some of those doubts for a while. Literally, I, they actually 
grew in my mind and I started becoming fearful about the second half, the second half of the promise that I believe God had spoken over me through his word and by this, this still small voice. And it was literally, I think, two weeks before the exam uh, and I was going through the book of Joel, of all books, uh, as part of a reading plan, I think. And I came across this verse, Joel 2, verse 23. It says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And I just, I felt God say to me in that moment that what he had begun in me, he would bring to completion. And I held on to that word. I, I, it, it was like it became this lifeline for me. And, you know, true to his word, Lord, the Lord brought me through that cum laude honors year. And I was brought to tears with thankfulness when I remembered how faithful he was. And I've sat with that reminder with me over the years as a testimony of God's faithfulness to his promises. Just trust in him. Just, just, just trust him. Just go to him. Just open ourselves to receive from him. And I promise you, God is speaking. And I suppose this brings us to point three. And I'll close with this, with this final myth. And then we'll pick up the story of John next week. But you will know when it's Jesus' voice and when it's not by the peace you'll experience and the fruit that it will produce. You will know, this is how you differentiate between your voice and any other voice. You'll know by the peace that you experience and the fruit that it will produce. One of the clearest differentiators must be when you picture yourself sitting in that situation or working in that career or fulfilling that call, do you feel the sense of peace and can you see the fruit that it will produce in your life? And for me, this is one of the easiest, easiest litmus tests that's a tongue twister that you can apply. If you've ever wondered, you know, what on earth to do with this idea or this, this call of action that you feel like God is, God is placing into you, use your intellect, use your imagination and ask yourself, does this decision, does this direction, does this instruction leave me feeling a sense of supernatural peace? Not human emotion, because there's a difference, right? That's the thing with God's voice. It might sound completely different to what you had thought of, to what you initially had in mind. It might even leave you feeling some kind of negative emotion, right? Moses' call, for example. Hey, Moses, would you please lead the children of Israel out of Egypt? No, Lord, there must be someone better than me. I've got a speech impediment. No, no, Lord, surely not. Three times, four times. I can't remember how many times it was. He doubts him. Fearful, anxious, nervous, afraid. The call of God, the voice of God, sometimes will produce in you these negative emotions. Let, let's take giving as a, as a, as a practical example. In an economic recession, the world says, hold on, right? Hold on to what you've got. I'm not going to sing that. Hold on, you know, cut back. Don't spend. But what does scripture say? What does kingdom living say? Sow and you'll reap a harvest. The Lord is faithful. Invest and you'll receive a heavenly return. And, and, and the Holy Spirit calls you and says, be generous as your father is generous. And that can sometimes leave you with this emotion of fear and uncertainty, but it's a supernatural peace that transcends all understanding. The peace that you will experience through the call of Christ is greater than any negative emotion you might feel. And that's what produces the fruit of the Spirit. Do you guys see the, see the very important um, uh, distinction there? This, this has to be one of my favorite passages of Scripture when it comes to hearing, uh, hearing God's voice. Look at this verse from Psalm 85 and how it gives us 
such a clear guideline in terms of the difference between God's voice and the enemy's voice in our lives. Psalm 85, verse 8 to 9. I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people. Oh, it's so beautiful. His faithful ones and not let them go back to foolish ways. His salvation is very near those who fear him so that glory may dwell in our land. Would you mind going back there one verse um, production? I will listen to what God will say. Surely the Lord will declare peace to his people, his faithful ones, and not let them go back to foolish ways. This is so amazing. God speaks peace. And so every time you hear that voice, do you go, can I, can I sense that supernatural peace that transcends understanding? Yes, I'm anxious. I might be nervous. I might be afraid. I might be unsure. But is there peace there? And when I visualize myself sitting in that place, doing that thing, fulfilling that call, can I see the fruit that it will produce in my life? So you've learned to recognize his voice and we're growing and this is how, I guess, it affects something as practical as a career path, right? This is how it relates to this. Look at Colossians 3.17. Whatever you do, can everyone say the word whatever? Whatever you do, that word literally means whatever, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, number one. Number two, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So, you're sitting there, you're picturing two or three of these scenarios before you, the options you have. Can you answer these two questions? One, are you doing what you are doing in the name of the Lord Jesus? Or is it in someone else's name? And two, are you giving thanks to Him through it? Do you see how we can apply this to our lives? Do you see how we can apply hearing God through His Word to our, to, to our lives? Are you pursuing Friends, what you are pursuing for his name. And are you giving thanks in your career? If you are, then when you, you know, then when you sit down and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal where he is, when you imagine yourself there, you'll have that sense of peace, fill your heart, even if it seems like a totally crazy idea to someone else. However, if you aren't giving thanks to God, if you're if you're if you're negative, if you've become cynical, if you're lacking joy, well, maybe then it's time to consider remove. I don't know the answer. But what I'm saying is God is infinitely more concerned with who you are becoming than what it is that you are doing. God is infinitely more concerned with who you are becoming than what it is you are doing. So if you can answer those two questions where you picture yourself, Lord, am I becoming, am I producing the fruit that you want me to produce in this environment? There we go. God's voice is not a mysterious thing, friends. God has made himself plain in Scripture. And our role as his followers is to gain a better understanding, to develop and grow in our maturity of hearing him better. And I suppose I wanted just to close with this final thought. I see we've just hit our, hit our time. Um, I wanted to end off by, by, by saying, you know, you may think that you don't qualify to hear God's voice. You know, maybe you think, I've messed up too much. I've gone off the rails. God's no longer concerned with me. I don't have any Christian credentials whatsoever. I don't, I'm excluded from this category of people. Or I'm not even a Christian yet. I don't know how this whole thing works. I just, I just want to remind you of something. Um, I don't get upset with my 16-month-old because he can't run a marathon. He's learning to walk. He's learning to walk. And God is so much better a father than I am. And so there is no shame or guilt in needing to grow. It's okay. Take one step. Just take one step. Just trust him 
that he is guiding you. And there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. And I guess you could say, well done on overcoming the first lie of the enemy, that you're not good enough. Just by going to him and say, Lord, I'm opening myself to receive from you is the, is the first step in overcoming that lie that you're not good enough. Guess what the Lord says? We sang about it just now. You're my child. I'm so excited to see you grow. I'm so excited to see you grow. Just take one step. Hearing the voice of God is for everyone that would call on the name of the Lord. Can you say amen to that this morning, church? Would you mind standing with me as we close in a word of prayer together? So um, I hope this has been a a helpful start to the series. And uh, we're going to look at some more examples from Scripture over the next couple of weeks in terms of how we can grow and and, um, step forward and mature in our ability to to hear what God has to say. But I felt like it was necessary just to set some foundations this morning. But even having said that, we always mention in church that we don't want Christianity or our experience of God to be just an academic thing that we're part of. It has to be... It has to be real life. It has to have some kind of authentic encounter with Him. Christianity is not just an academic religion, right? It's life change, transformation. And so in this kind of end of the service moment, I wanted to take a moment and pray for us that we would begin to take those steps forward in hearing God's voice. And whatever that looks like, wherever you are in your journey, if it's the first time, if it's the hundredth time, if it's you know something that you've heard many times before, or if it's something that you're like me, just growing in and wanting to, to get better at, I feel like I want to take a moment and just pray specifically for us for that. So can we all just bow our heads and close our eyes for, for a moment? And we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to do what He does. <laughs> it says in, in John's Gospel, the Holy Spirit takes from what is the Father and He declares it to us. He speaks to us. So He's speaking. God is speaking. Creation itself reveals the glory of God. And so Father, as your children, that's our identity, we place ourselves humbly at your feet and we say, Lord, help us here. Give us ears to hear. Give us eyes to see. Give us hearts to understand that you are who you say you are and we are who you say we are. Father, if there are any distracting voices, any voices that want to destroy or derail us, we come against them now in Jesus' name. We close off the tap of any of those voices that want to take us away from who we truly are in you. And we open the tap of your spirit to drink from the living water that speaks our true name. Father, maybe there's, there's, there's someone here that has felt like Simon the Reed, unqualified or or disqualified rather, excluded from the faith and from hearing you. This morning, Father, we ask that you would speak the name of Peter, the rock over them. Father, would you reestablish identity that we no longer move forward from a place of weakness, but we move forward from a place of strength. God, we're not looking for acceptance in other people. We have received acceptance from you, God Almighty, the creator of the universe, and we step forward in that identity. True son, true daughter, fully loved, fully free, fully forgiven fully accepted and we take ground for the kingdom for your sake Jesus thank you that you are on our side you are for us thank you that your heart's desire is for us to get to know you better and we commit to doing that this morning 
And so would you teach us over the next three weeks how to do that as we commit to growing, learning, maturing, developing in our relationship with you. And we thank you so much, Jesus, for your love, your great love that you lavish upon us, that this is even possible in the first place. And we worship you for it. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, can we give God a shout of praise and worship and just thanksgiving for, for His Word.